everyone, and welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for FootballOutsiders.com, part of Edge Sports. Today, I have Evan Silva of Establish the Run joining me to break down the Week 8 waiver wire options. But before we get there, I wanted to share with you an exclusive offer from Football Outsiders. We're the innovators of modern football analytics and the proprietary metrics you know and love, DVOA and DYAR. They're used by teams, and they're also great tools for fantasy players. So get the most out of your fantasy teams and DFS lineups with an FO Plus package. You can become an outsider today with promo code FANTASY25 to save 25% off site-wide. That's code FANTASY25 in all caps, and that'll save you 25% off site-wide on all of Football Outsiders tools and statistics. Okay, let's jump over to that interview with Evan. Okay, joining me on the line today is Evan Silva, co-founder of Establish the Run. Evan, how are you? Thanks for putting off your Monday Night Football game for a little uh, Week 8 waiver wire chat. Yeah, um, I'm pretty excited about tonight's game. Uh, got Gerald Everett in the captain. Okay, I'm nice. sure that as soon as everyone listens to this and after he has one catch for nine yards, <laughs> I'll look like a moron. Well, but, I have um, Tyler Higby in a lineup, even though he's inactive. So that, that's where my, my fantasy week is going so far. Yeah, but yeah, but uh, but uh, thank you for uh, having me. I know you had uh, John Daigle on last week, mm-hmm, was it? I did. Yeah, yep. and he's uh, living up on my top floor right now as we speak. So That's hilarious. Um, I was wondering exactly what was going on in the pre-show meeting. I'm like, huh, yeah. does John and Evan work at the same place? I'm a little confused, but <laughs> no, that, that's actually hilarious. John's just a nomad. He's lived like in Russia and <laughs> all these crazy places. And now he's living on my top floor. It's a little insider secret that all the fantasy football writers out there, we all live in a dormitory together. It's like <laughs> COVID protocol, just having us all isolated. Right. Anyway, we should probably get on to our, our waiver wire game like we play every week. Uh, the, the idea is simple. Evan and I are each going to go through three of our most interesting waiver wire options for weeks, um, week eight. These aren't necessarily the best waiver options. You can check out my article up on footballoutsiders.com to get a comprehensive list of everybody you might want to consider. These are just six very interesting names. And as usual, Evan, as the guest, I think you should go first. Is with your most interesting waiver option for week eight. Yeah, it's certainly Antonio Brown, and people really should have picked him up last week. Mm-hmm. But he, I know he's still available on a lot of waiver wires. Tom Brady, you know, despite the the naysayers, uh, has you know he looks far from washed. Uh, the Bucks' offensive line has been functioning at, at an extremely high level. They're scoring lots and lots of points each week, and this is a player that Tom Brady went out of his way to lobby for for the Bucks to acquire. I mean. Bruce Arians has a history with Antonio Brown, was publicly um, against the Buccaneers going and getting Antonio Brown. But I think that Tom Brady just wore him down. It was like, we need to go get this guy. Tom Brady wants to win another Super Bowl title. And uh, this increases the Bucs' chances of that occurring. Um, Now, I don't think that he is going to project for, like, super high target totals on a week-to-week basis. Okay. So he's going to have to compensate with efficiency. But I think that he will compensate with efficiency. If you go back to just looking at, you know, what he did in that first quarter against the Dolphins, he, he played really like what, just the first quarter against Miami. And I remember we, yeah. at established the Run, we had him as our number one preseason fade. Like, do not draft Antonio Brown. Let other people take him. You know, people were still taking him in the second round. He had all these red flags. And he comes back in, you know, what was it, week four, week five against New England and, you know, we were always talking about, you know, our, our, our preseason takes and, and, you know, how successful they were, you know, you know weeks into the season. And uh, one of, my, one of the, the co-owners said, 
you know, after that first quarter, Antonio Brown is going to be a problem. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I was terrified, you know, because we, we went out of our way to, to tell people to not take him. And, uh, but it, we, we wound up being okay with that. But, I, but his performance on the field spoke for itself. Tom Brady's lobbying for him, I think, speaks for itself. And I think that he's going to be, you know, he's going to have monster weeks. I think he'll have some down weeks because he only gets maybe four targets here or there. The yeah. Bucks defense is so good. I mean, this is nothing like the Bucks t- team last year where, you know, they're firing off 40, 45 pass attempts a game. Um, they're, they're like a legitimately really good team. Uh, and their defense is, I think, maybe the best in the league. So they're not going to be, you know, there are going to be games where Tom Brady only throws the ball 24 times for, you know, 175 yards and, maybe one of the pass catchers has a good game and everybody else gets left out. Um, but Antonio Brown, I think has a chance to be a, a real, real difference maker. And that's not the sort of talent that you can usually get off the waiver wire in week eight. That's definitely true. And I think it's funny, Evan, that you bring up preseason projections. Cause I almost feel like Brown's likely success relates to one of mine that's starting to look worse and worse, which is we were kind of notoriously pessimistic for Rob Gronkowski's chances this season. And that seemed to be playing out early in the year when OJ Howard was also involved. But as soon as Howard went down, it just seems like the Bucks are very reliant now on three receiver sets. And I mean, even throughout the year, Scotty Miller's kind of been in that 50% to 65% offensive snap share range. Do you think that Brown is just kind of seamlessly take that and just be on the field more than half the time in general, even with Evans and Godwin both playing at the same time? Yeah, I think that Antonio yeah. Brown steps right into the Scotty Miller role. And, um, you know, they, they get an upgrade. And for as well as – and Scotty Miller has had some nice games. Certainly against the Raiders, he was incredible. He was. Um, and, they, and actually, they kind of left some yards on the field. Brady missed them a couple of times. Uh, with Gronkowski, like, I think he looked rough early in the season. I think he's looked better each and every week. That he's sort of like, you know, he's like – progressing back into it he looked awesome against the Raiders like fluid athletically um you know strong and contested catches uh situ- situations uh so I, I think he's he's gonna be good to go as a guy I mean they can't pull him off the field because you know they got a bunch of scrubs behind him they don't have OG Howard anymore it's true uh, and sticking with the Buccaneers, apparently this is going to be a very Bucks heavy waiver week for us because my first pick is Leonard Fournette, running back for the Buccaneers, who, like Brown, is still available in a little bit more than 20% of ESPN and Yahoo leagues. Fournette finally came back from his injury in week seven and in pretty much split time with Ronald Jones. He had 11 carries and six targets. Jones had 13 carries and one target. Uh, he played about 56% of the offensive snaps versus 43% for Jones. To me, this is... I mean, this is kind of a Jones-related take more than a Fournette-related one, which is although Jones has been very effective as a rusher, he's the number one rusher in DYAR, which is Football Outsiders stat, basically yards above replacement level. He's number three in DVOA for rushing, but is very much at the bottom of the league with negative 45.1% receiving DVOA. I've kind of been looking at a couple different stat sources for this. The sport radar has him dropping, I think, five targets so far this season. I saw a tweet that he's dropped nine. And so I decided to just kind of go through it. And by my count, Ronald Jones has dropped six targets, all of which were extremely catchable, one of which was nullified by a penalty. But I'm guessing that Tom Brady isn't going to forget about it just because it didn't end up counting. So it's just like Fournette, he averaged, what, 3.7 catches per game with the Jaguars throughout his career. It's not like he's necessarily a fluid catcher of the ball he's kind of a big hulky dude it's kind of like watching 
like a Derrick Henry out there catching passes, but Jones just has oh, such whoa, a problem. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Easy on the Derrick Henry. <laughs> well, you can give me that take in a second too. Uh, it's just that Jones has such a problem tracking the easy catches that I can't imagine like maybe he'll peak as like a Sony Michelle type of goal line runner, but Fournette has to get more involved as a pass catcher because Jones just can't really handle that responsibility as far as I can tell. No, and Ronald Jones, one of the things I, I didn't like him coming out of USC. Um, and one of the reasons was because he was really not involved in the passing game there. He's been awful yeah. in the passing game in the NFL. I even went back and looked at his high school career. He was not a pass catcher in high school. Yeah. So that's just not something that has ever clicked for him. And, you know, Tom Brady is not going to be forgiving of, you know, a lot of mistakes on the field. And Ronald Jones is like one of the most mistake prone running backs in the NFL. So, and I, Leonard Jones, Leonard Fournette is better than Ronald Jones. Like I, you know, I think that Leonard Fournette can parlay this, you know, a solid game as long as he stays healthy into just overtaking Ronald Jones outright. So, you're not just getting the guy who's taking over as the Bucks passing down back. You're getting a guy with a lot more upside than that. Um, I think that Leonard Fournette can be a real, real factor uh, down the stretch in fantasy. I totally agree with you, Evan. Okay, hit us with your second choice for a waiver candidate for week eight. Uh, Justin Herbert. Another guy that should have been owned and is just I, – I mean, I get it. He's a rookie quarterback, and people are slow on the take for – you know, rookie quarterbacks, especially rookie quarterbacks that were kind of, you know, draft Twitter, like threw a lot of shade at Justin Herbert, you know, but, uh, yeah. but and, and people had a lot of skepticism on him. And, you know, I, I, I get it because in that, within that Oregon offense, quarterbacks are not, are generally not asked to throw the football downfield. They're asked to play within the system. And when was the last time that Oregon had a good receiver in the NFL? When was the last, I mean, Dylan Mitchell got drafted. Uh, I mean, that's about it, right? Yeah, you've stumped me for sure. Yeah, I mean, this, we, we could probably look it up and maybe come up with someone decent, but I, I, I can't remember it. And um, so he played within the confines, and that was one of the big knocks on him coming out of Oregon is that he wouldn't throw the ball downfield. Well, dude has been airing it out uh, in the NFL. So we, we, can, we can already put that aside. Also – he did not run. He was a he was like a really good combine athlete, but he did not run a ton uh, at Oregon. Again, I think probably a you know a system restriction sort of thing, because they you know they they do have a lot of little fast athletes. They you know run jet jet sweeps too and stuff. They don't necessarily want their quarterback um, to do all that stuff. Um, but Justin Herbert is an excellent athlete. We saw him just you know, uh, lead the Chargers in, uh, in rushing uh, in week seven uh, against the Jags. And, I mean, he's got Keenan Allen healthy. He's got Mike Williams healthy. Hunter Henry got hurt, I know. Did, did he come back in on, uh, on Sunday? I think he ended up coming back in, but I'm okay. not totally sure off the top of my head. Well, a healthy Hunter Henry is, is a big-time difference maker uh, across the board. He has experienced uh, multiple Chargers offensive line injuries. Obviously, they lost Mike Pouncey, and he's not coming back. But also, Trey Turner and Brian Bulaga should eventually be back. Um, so we have seen him play with very, very sh- behind shorthanded offensive lines and be hyper-productive. He's like a guy who elevates elevates teammates. And that is the sign of – and I'm not calling him an elite quarterback yet, but that is the sign of an elite quarterback, I think, 
when they are elevating teammates. There are some quarterbacks that get elevated by their teammates. There are some quarterbacks that, you know, just kind of go as, as their teammates go. But there are, are in, in a, there's an elite tier of quarterbacks that truly elevate the players around them. He has made the Chargers offensive line look competent, which is crazy because that, that's one of the worst O-lines in the league. And he's also like, you know, guys like Jalen Guyton and, and Tyron Johnson. I mean, yeah. guys that I, you know, I legit like hadn't even heard of uh, entering the season have had like big games and made big plays with Justin Herbert. Now, let's look at his schedule because this schedule, oh, baby, Scott, <laughs> I, I, I hope you're sitting down. Luckily, I am. Hit me with that. <laughs> um, so the Chargers, their next game is against the Broncos, and the Broncos are just severely shorthanded. I think every quarterback except for uh, Patrick Mahomes that has faced the Broncos, and that was just a, 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 a situation of circumstances, finished as a top 15 fantasy quarterback or better. Five out of six quarterbacks that faced the Broncos have finished uh, as a top 15 fantasy quarterback or better. Then the Raiders, then the Dolphins, then the Jets, then the Bills, who have been extremely disappointing on defense. Then the Patriots, who also have been disappointing on defense. Then the Falcons, and then the Raiders again. Wow. Okay, That's how we round out the fantasy season <laughs> for league winner Justin Herbert. I rest my case. I think you do. I mean, I, I hardly have anything else to add other than to say that I mean, I think it's fair that we're going to give him more time, but like statistically speaking, he can make a case for being an elite quarterback, at least so far this season. And that's both from a real life perspective and from a fantasy perspective. The fantasy case is pretty easy. Averaging 25.8 fantasy points per game this season. That's fourth at the position behind just Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and Dak Prescott. He's actually just ahead of Patrick Mahomes by about, you know, 1.3 fantasy points per game. So, yes, that's really good. But also has a 23.7% passing DVOA that's seventh best at the position and ahead of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, who are the next two. So, I mean, that's excellent company, however you slice it. Talking about the pressure, I've been very impressed by how poised he's been with pressure approaching. And that's actually led to some of his deeper touchdowns to some of the no names like like Johnson and Donald Parham, the, the tight end, who I also have no idea who he is. So, yeah, I mean, I think I've liked everything that I've seen from Herbert so far this season. And the fact that his upcoming schedule is so enticing, I think you've convinced me. I think he should be a, a top 10 quarterback in, in leagues. So I'm, go I'm, and, I'm go actually and get glad him. that you mentioned Donald Parham because yeah. I think he's actually a guy to pick up in tight end premium leagues. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, because um, – Independent I covered, of Henry's potential injury, you're saying. I covered uh, the AAF uh, very closely. Okay. And he was like so dominant in the AAF. He was also like a legit, pretty good prospect coming out of college. He was like a, uh, he was very productive in college and he was a good athlete, just didn't get drafted like for whatever reason. Um, uh, and also, uh, yeah, Virgil Green, I mean, that, that, was, that looked like a season ending injury. Yeah, that's true. Yes. He got, that. he was carted off, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then also um, Hunter Henry, we, you know, maybe, there might be a little bit of doubt. I don't know. It's, we're, we're doing this on Monday, so we have no idea on injury stuff. But uh, Hunter Henry, you know, obviously got banged up in the game. So if you play in, like, um, uh, FFPC leagues where, you know, you get uh, 1.5 points per uh, reception for, uh, from tight ends, Donald Parham, I think, is, is an excellent sleeper. Okay, excellent. Great advice, Evan. I'm going to shift gears and go with a guy that is a, 
a little bit more well-known, certainly, but is a bit under-owned, I think, at this point in A.J. Green. He's actually probably been dropped the last couple of weeks because after starting the season with a 23.4% target share in weeks one and two that was 20th among wide receivers, he dropped off to an 11.3% target share in weeks three, four, and five outside the top 70 at the position. So I think that probably convinced people to drop him. Uh, obviously, T. Higgins was going off at that point and kind of continues to do really well. So Green seemed like an afterthought. There was rumors that he might want to be traded, all of that kind of stuff. But the last two weeks, he's bounced back again, 27.9% target share, 11th among wide receivers. I don't really have a lot of deeper analysis here other than to say that just kind of based on watching him in those midweeks, it seemed like he was maybe dealing with an injury, maybe a hamstring injury that he was trying to play through and wasn't faring very well in that respect. Uh, there also may be a little bit of like matchup specific stuff here because the Bengals pass blocking is really bad. Uh, so whenever they face some of their tougher defensive opponents, it can be tough for, for Joe Burrow and everybody in the passing game. But I think that green is looking a little bit better and he's the number one guy shortfall in receiving touchdowns versus opportunity just at receiving touchdowns. He's been incredibly unlucky catching more than four fewer touchdowns than expected. He hasn't caught one yet this season. So I think that's going to change and I expect the target share to continue to be pretty high expecting a little bit of a bounce back here for Green over the second half of the season. Do you see that at all, Evan, or do you think that he may be a little bit past this prime? Um, I just think he's going to be a week-to-week uh, matchup player. Yeah. But this upcoming game against the Titans, I think, could go you know into the 60s maybe. Sure. Um, and also what, what has really helped him is that the Bengals are just throwing the ball so damn much. I mean, Joe Burrow is averaging 43 attempts a game. They, like, with that kind of volume, they can support – two to three pass catchers on a weekly basis. And they've got to support, you know, there's Tyler Boyd there, there's T Higgins coming on. Um, but I mean, I mean, AJ Green has 24 targets after being awful. Yes. You know, up, you know, up until this point, he has 24 targets over the last two weeks. So that tells you they're not going away from him. You know, they're not pulling snaps away from him and, and giving them to Auden Tate, which they conceivably could have done after how badly he struggled early on. Uh, so they're they're riding with him, and he's got a, a you know a really nice matchup against Tennessee coming up, and um, yeah, I'm I'm with you on him. I think the Titans are a bottom ten DVOA pass defense. Just further support yeah. that maybe people haven't realized because the Titans have been so successful in terms of one loss record, they really have struggled defensively, in particular against the pass. Okay, Evan, hit us with your third choice for a waiver ad for Week Eight. Brandon Ayuk. Um, yes. another guy that, you know, should have been owned, but isn't owned enough. And so we got to address it. And, uh, especially with Debo Samuel going out with uh, the hamstring injury, which I would suspect maybe in some ways is a compensation injury stemming from the, just the, the history of guys that have Jones fractures yeah. is just brutal in, in, uh, the forthcoming season. And, and oftentimes like for multiple years, ahead of them. Uh, but Debo Samuel did come back and I mean, he, he was looking good, but I, he's going to miss multiple weeks. It looks like with this hamstring injury and, you know, Brandon Ayuk, not only has he been targeted downfield more than Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel came back and uh, all but one of his catches since he returned was caught uh, behind the line of scrimmage. And we've seen Brandon Ayuk actually make some plays downfield, but Brandon Ayuk can also do the stuff that Debo Samuel was doing. And so if you, if you can kind of combine the best of those two worlds, like look out, you know, this dude is incredible after the catch. We knew that that's why Kyle Shanahan targeted him 
uh, coming out of Arizona State was because yes. of how good after the catch he was. Rotoviz, uh, also uh, the, the website Rotoviz, has done great work on looking at receivers that uh, were dominant in college as return men. And um, that is very often a, a very positive indicator uh, for future success uh, at the wide receiver position because it just shows like how good they are with the ball in their hands. And, you know, like Antonio Brown was a great returner, you know, T.Y. Hilton, Des Bryant was an insane punt returner at Oklahoma State. Like Odell Beckham was an insane return man at LSU. You know, the, the list just goes on and on. And Ayuk was a great return man at Arizona State. Um, and now, I mean, he's going to be playing almost every snap. Jimmy Garoppolo is looking good again. Um, and, you know, he has almost no competition for targets outside of uh, uh, George Kittle. Uh, at the uh, at the wide receiver position in San Francisco, so I think Brandon Ayuk, like I think he's an every week wide receiver too, rest of the way. Yeah, it's, I mean it's a great point. He was already pretty much playing every snap to begin with. In this last week, he played seventy six percent of offensive snaps, while Samuel played sixty two percent, just missing a little bit of time with the injury, and then Kendrick Bourne in a distant third at forty five percent. Meanwhile, you mentioned the upcoming like likelihood that he'll miss that Samuel will miss multiple weeks. I mean, that's almost a given, I feel like, because after the Sunday game against Seattle, which, by the way, bottom five DVOA pass defense, they next play in week nine on Thursday night against Green Bay, a bottom 10 DVOA pass defense. So great matchups and the quick turnaround in week nine. Almost a guarantee, I feel like, that Ayuk is going to get two games in a row without Samuel and probably be the lead target man apart from Kittle among the wide receivers and tight ends for the team. So yeah, I think that's an excellent choice. Great play. And then I'll close up our six picks for tonight with Rashard Higgins, wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns. He's really the guy on this list that's available pretty much everywhere. Um, he's not owned pretty much at all in ESPN, 1% of um, ownership there in Yahoo leagues. Not surprising. He wasn't really playing a lot entering the week, but it has been confirmed even as a Monday night that Adel Beckham tore his ACL, is going to miss the rest of the season. In this one game where Beckham maybe played four snaps, um, Higgins stepped up and played pretty much exclusively in that role, 85% of the offensive snaps versus 69% for Donovan Peoples-Jones. So it suggests to me that Higgins is probably the main guy there stepping into the second receiver spot on the team. Had 110 yards on six catches and six targets, a 21.4% target share. Uh, Landry was at 21.4%, no other wide receiver above 11%. So I think some encouraging signs there. And then we talked a little bit about Justin Herbert's rest of season schedule. Well, let me just give you some of the past defenses the Browns are uh, slated to play over the rest of the way. We've got the Raiders, who are 26th against the pass. The Texans are 20th. Eagles, 27th. Jaguars, 32nd. Titans, 24th. The Ravens are really the one good one here at 7th. But then the Giants at 23rd and Jets, 31st, to close out the fantasy season. So, even though Higgins is definitely more of a deep league option, he's got such an enticing slate of, of defensive opponents coming up that I could see him having some shallow league value. Do you see the same, Evan? Yeah, my one concern is that the Browns might go trade for a wide receiver. I mean, the Browns are what? Are they 5-2 and two right now? They're 5-2, and two, and with that schedule, they're, they're going to the playoffs. They, I think they are. Yes, I, I love <laughs> it. I love it. Oh, man. Hey, you know, Sashi knew. Yep. Sashi knew. That's Sashi analytics. Set That's a win. set the table for all this. <laughs> um. But, uh, yeah, so Richard Higgins, I have a lot of thoughts on Richard Higgins. Um, yeah, hit me with him. I think he's going to – we're going we're gonna to be viewing him as more than a deep, deep league option um, very, very soon, uh, number one. Number two, uh, he's always been a favorite of Matt Harmon, 
uh, mm-hmm. Matt Harbin, uh, who does you know great uh, wide receiver uh, research on uh, uh, route data, uh, even coming out, of, I think he played at Colorado State, I want to say, and he was hyper, hyper, hyper productive in college, but he his uh, his athleticism was not very good, and so that's why he went late. But you know, Sashi Sashi actually drafted him, and Sashi knew that uh, wide receivers with uh, hyper production. Um, that that means more than uh, athleticism at the wide receiver position. Okay. Um, and so Higgins comes into the league, and he, I mean, he played uh, pretty well in very in very limited opportunities. And then he strangely fell into the doghouse under Freddie Kitchens, who couldn't get on the field last year. He suffered this ankle injury, and then uh, even when he got healthy, they wouldn't they wouldn't play him. Baker Mayfield loves this dude, and as someone that you know, loves like the preseason RIP in peace, uh, NFL preseason, but loves the, the NFL preseason. You know, I would watch like every snap and every preseason game. Um, Baker would look for this dude. And now this year so far, having been targeted by Baker Mayfield 12 times, Richard Higgins caught 11 for 163 and two touchdowns. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And now he's jumping into this, uh, you know, uh, uh, like a, a, I think what should be a, barring a trade, a consistent role um, in, in the Cleveland offense. And I think he's going to get like six, seven targets a game. Uh, Jarvis Landry is far from 100% healthy. True. Austin Hooper is coming off the ap- appendectomy. There's a lot of opportunity here uh, against a great run of matchups, as you uh, smartly pointed out. I think, I think he's going to be more than a deep league option. I, I, I love that you, that, you, uh, that you picked Rashard Higgins. Um, I, I want to get him in all my leagues. Me too, Evan. Absolutely. Okay, that's going to wrap up this uh, Tuesday morning episode of the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. Evan, thanks so much for joining. Why don't you tell everyone where they can read your work and hear all your great work over at Establish the Run? Yeah, just check out uh, at Establish the Run on Twitter, EstablishTheRun.com on the internet. Perfect. Everybody, check it out. Evan is one of the greatest in the business. Meanwhile, swing back to uh, this podcast on Friday to hear all of my best DFS matchups for week eight. Thanks, and I'll plan to talk to you then.